Welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. We help committed people stop wasting time and stop compromising on their goals. We build and rebuild strong people through one-on-one custom fitness solutions. No filler, no nonsense, and no time to waste. Let's talk about it. Hey, hello and welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. My name is Justin McClintock. Thank you so much for downloading, tuning in, pressing all the buttons to get me in your ears. Very excited today. We are honored to have Dr. Sean Pastuch of Active Life here as a guest. Hello, Dr. Sean. Hello, Justin. I'm honored and excited to be here myself. I really appreciate your time uh, coming in. For those who don't know, I am somewhat of a raving evangelist about Active Life. Uh, I've taken several courses and I'm in the middle of another course of education through y'all. But for people who don't know you and Active Life, could you give them the sort of the two-minute summary of who you are and what you do? Yeah, the two-minute summary is my background is my dad was a chiropractor, and I didn't want to follow in dad's footsteps. I wanted to carve my own path. So I went and got a personal training certification. And as I would take my clients upstairs to the physical therapy suite to say, hey, this person has this problem, what do I do? This person has this problem, what do I do? This person has this problem, what do I do? I was greeted by uninspiring answers over and over and over again. Work around it. They're too old for this. They just have to learn to live with it. Uh, Stay out of that range of motion. And that was really uninspiring to me. So I decided I was going to follow in dad's footsteps, went to chiropractic school. I was going to save the world. And then I started treating patients. And they would ask the questions that pertain to going back to the gym. And I realized that there was this massive gap between what I was doing with, with patients and clients and what needed to happen in between. You know, there was, there was nothing happening between the, the full breadth of fitness and the full breadth of healthcare, which, you know, is, is synonymous with medical care. And so after a while of, of tinkering with, with different approaches, I had really smart people around me. It wasn't all me we were able to start having a system that was actually delivering where people were flying in. I, the first patient who flew into town was a guy named Will. He flew in from Nevada to New York, paid a thousand dollars for an assessment, you know, um, had a guy named Johan flying from Finland next. I'll never forget that. Cause he called himself the refrigerator and I'm like, Finland you guys flying from Finland. I mean, these people were coming out, getting assessed and flying home. So it was both stunning and flattering at the same time. And it created a unique problem that I had to figure out how to solve, which was how do I help this person when they fly home? Because the appointment's over. And so my partner at the time and I started to derive different ways that we could do that, writing exercise program design, trying to um, meet the workouts that they were already in, changing their habits, changing their beliefs, one thing at a time. And I realized it became, it's a behavior change experience that somebody needs to go through. Help thousands of people do that. Coaches start reaching out. What's going on with my athlete who flew out to see you or what's going on with my athlete who signed up with you online? Start educating coaches. Coaches go from being fitness professionals to another professional altogether where they go from making, you know, a thousand, two thousand bucks a month to making five, six, seven, in some cases, 10 and $15,000 a month. And gym owners start saying, what's going on there? And so we start teaching gym owners how to build an environment that would attract somebody who can provide that kind of value to their clients. 
and who wants to come and work in your gym? And that's, that's your two minute nutshell of how we went from guy in a clinic treating patients, snapping necks and cashing checks to building an online business with the intention of humanizing healthcare by professionalizing fitness to empower individuals. That is a, a fantastic summation. Uh, and it's a really interesting story. And I want to follow it up with something that might sound a little bit crazy in that I think you and I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is I don't want to always conflate you and your business, but as the face of active life and, and the, and you own it, it's your baby. Uh, I'm going to do that back and forth a little bit. So correct me anytime. I'm not yeah. quite correct, but we focus on solving complex individual problems with a, a both deep and broad tool set and sort of continuing to expand our lane while definitely staying within, you know, the, the parameters of our scope. One of mm-hmm. the things I've been really impressed by what you and Active Life do is even in a, a potentially like a group education model, you spend a lot of time on the individual complexities that somebody needs. And I've heard this from gym owners you've worked with too, who are like, I'm in this education, but they spend all this time drilling down into exactly what my problem is. How do I have to adjust this for my situation? And I see that as almost one-to-one the way I work with people, either getting them out of pain or solving their fitness problems, getting them back moving again, whatever it is, with a a tool set that is bigger than pe- most people would expect you to bring to the given situation. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And you know what it is, is there's, there's for someone to do fitness in any way, shape or form, or for someone to do what we ask them to do from a business coaching and, and, and tactical coaching perspective, there needs to be both um, incentive that if they do the work, they're going to get the result that is worth it. And there needs to be a belief that it's actually going to happen. If I do this work, it's actually going to happen. This guy is not pie in the sky stuff. And the only way that we feel like we can do that is by ensuring that every single client who we work with, whether it's an RX client looking to get out of pain without going to the doctor or missing the gym, you know, restarting an active lifestyle, a coach like yourself, who is the healthcare provider of the future and in your world today, right? Like in my world today, it's that society will understand in the future. To the gym owner who wants to be able to house three, four, five, six people like you. If we fail to get on the level of the people who we're trying to help in a way that allows them to understand that we understand their problem, we understand all of the risks with all of the solutions and that we respect those risks, there's no way we're going to get you to do anything. And so so to me, it's we still don't do a, like, I appreciate you complimenting us. We still don't do a good enough job of providing uh, transparency to the upside and resiliency to the downside in certainty of the risks that we ask our students to take. If we did a better job of that, we'd have a hundred percent compliance. And if we had a hundred percent compliance, this, this movement would already be so much bigger than it is. And so I think something that you do really well, that we also are aiming to do even better, is instead of saying, if someone doesn't show up, it's, it's, it's not their priority. We say, if someone doesn't show up, 
we haven't done a good enough job of helping them understand why it's important to show up. So how do we do a better job of that? Yeah, that communication piece is enormous. And and part of that is meeting people where they are. You know, we're really big on not on deliberately not setting goals for people, but insisting that they set really, really clear goals and explaining that there's probably 10 different ways to the finish line. Like you say you want this with and with all of these constraints, your schedule and your equipment and your injury history and all of these things. But there's a bunch of ways we can get there. And if we find one that isn't working because you're uninspired to show up or you don't believe in it or it's gotten too difficult, something about it isn't working, it doesn't mean you're a failure, certainly. It means something's slightly wrong with the way we're delivering this. I would always rather throw the whole program out and start over and find the right way forward for you because we know the destination is right and we know we have the tools to get you there. But every person, you have to kind of carve away those aspects of, of what it looks like to get it shaped exactly right for that person. And no two people are alike. That's really where this whole thing came from. Yeah. I mean, we, we've, we have the luxury as a company that is um, more of a small house for now, you know, like, I mean, 20 plus employees, 30 employees, whatever the number is at today, which is not a big company. You know, we're not, we're not Google. So I look at us like a jet ski, we can turn fast. We can find a problem with something that we were doing and be like, oop, wrong direction. We don't need miles of ocean to turn the ship around. We can turn on a, on a dime. And I think that we need to take advantage of the opportunity that we have to be able to do that right now. And when we do that, we always risk losing the trust of somebody like you. Because when right. you when you do that, it's like, well, you told me this was the way. I've been following it. I really like it. Things are going well. And now you're telling me that that is the way. How do I know that I should follow that? And so I think that what you're speaking to there, the, the, the iteration and reiteration and reiteration of what it is that we believe is the, the quote, best of those 10 paths, um, everybody needs to be transparent about not knowing which one it is yet. And be willing to, like, a lot of times we'll call it failing fast. Like, be willing to, like, how nimble can you be? Try it right, right away. You know, if, make sure it's not crazy. You're not going to get hurt. You're not being taken advantage of. You're not putting yourself in some kind of, you know, physical, financial, whatever danger. But if you can just do it, do it. Try it out. And either you will see some kind of result or you will fail very quickly. But you'll learn something either way. Everything mm -hmm. everything good I've learned, I've learned from screwing it up at least once. Like that's how we, how we got where we are today. It's like trying over and over and over again, these different ways. And in that same way, kind of like carving away the pieces that don't work until we have something that works pretty well and is now proven pretty repeatable. Absolutely. And, and I can give you a really good example of where I did that. You know, I, I opened CrossFit gyms and in my CrossFit gyms, I, I put a value on you being able to do the workout as prescribed. I put a value on how long it took you to finish the workout. I put a value on how much weight you lifted. None of that matters. It doesn't matter at all. There are so many people who we would classify as having a lot of fitness who struggle to get down on the ground and play with their kids without grunting and groaning. And there are plenty of people who we would classify as having a lot of fitness who are unable to go on a run with the rest of the gym while they run. They row instead. And they've been rowing for years. They're 35 and they can't run. Years. Years, they're, they're not, they're not getting, they're like, they're not even trying to start running because they've believed now that that is not a possibility. 
And I have a member I'm thinking of when I say this. I owned a gym. I owned a clinic. People were flying into my clinic from Finland, Barbados, California, Brazil, Cayman Islands, flying in. And I had a guy right here who lives in my town who couldn't get off the rower. He had to row and everyone else ran. We, he missed qualifying for the CrossFit Games by one spot. Okay, because his knees always hurt when he did double unders. And every time double unders came up, that was the workout he got slowed down on. And it was like, oh, man, next year. Meantime, this guy was a college level gymnast, like a division one gymnast. His young son was learning to break dance at like the age of six, whatever it was. And he was pretty good at it. And dad couldn't break dance with him. What, what were we doing? Like, what, what was the point of what we were doing if dad couldn't break dance with that kid? And those are the things that, you know, I had this dissonance with when I was running my business where I had to turn around years later and say, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. I got some of it right, but the it was wrong. My North Star was wrong. And I believe this is a better way. And I'll probably be wrong about this too in some way, shape or form, but we're getting closer. Yeah. And hopefully it keeps, I always say that if I'm the same coach five years from now as I am now, I really messed up Yeah, because five years ago, I don't want to be that coach anymore. Right. I was proud then and happy then. I thought I had it figured out. And now I'm like, oh man, I, I feel not all of it, but probably 20% of it. I don't believe anymore, or I've completely changed mm -hmm. how I move or how I deal with people. And a big part of it is this holistic, like viewing people as a person and recognizing that 99% of people go to the gym because they want to do, they want to do all of the things and look like the people who they think go to the gym do. They yeah. want to like live their lives and do the fun things and all that stuff. And 1% of people want to actually like be the best back squatter in the gym. And even those people probably need some help. Well, so the people who walk into the gym and, and this is, this is what happens oftentimes, especially in a CrossFit environment, someone walks into the gym and we need to teach them the nine foundational movements and then they're off. Now they can take class and we'll just scale it however. Those people don't think those movements are important until we tell them that they are. Right. And so those people don't walk in the gym because they want to get better at squatting, deadlifting, push pressing, jerking, snatching, overhead. Like they, they don't care. They don't care. They don't know what half of that is. Nope. And it doesn't, it's not important to them until it becomes incentivized to be good at it. And it becomes incentivized to be good at it when we put it on a pedestal. And instead of saying, hey, have you climbed a tree this week? And I know that's ridiculous. We're not going to actually ask people to climb a tree, right? But hey, could you climb that tree? No. Do you think you should be able to climb that tree? Probably. Okay. Hey, if I asked you to go from zero to a dead sprint right now with no warm-up, would you feel comfortable doing it or are you going to blow out your hamstrings? When you wake up in the morning and you put your feet on the ground, do you need to wiggle around before you feel good or do you feel great? When, when you chase your kids around the house, do you, do you get tired? Do your knees hurt or are you good? Those are the questions. And I don't care if you can't do a muscle up. It's, it's, it, who cares? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing that only becomes important because we make it important in the gym. Exactly. And even someone who it's important to, there's likely all of this other stuff around them that needs addressing first and will be a bigger win if they allow it to take up some space in their life. Yes. Now, 
with this, I, I think this is a good segue discussing the person who nearly qualified for the CrossFit Games, a, an amazing athlete by anyone's definition, but couldn't run, actually had this these chronic knee problems. What do you think the difference is between someone who is an awesome fitness coach, which I think I am, but I think I was five years ago. I got the pile of certifications and do mm -hmm. all the training and all the programs and all that stuff and is someone working toward the kind of person you're describing who can sort, who can fill in this gap of where there is a huge need and, and frankly, not a lot of people existing to serve them of taking them from like, you're done with PT. You don't need PT anymore, but you've got massive problems that a standard fitness class is not going or a fitness program is really not uh, dealing with or designed to deal with in any way. Well, well, so, so I think that what we need to do in order to answer that question is start to, is start to talk about what can fitness do when executed extremely well? And what can mm -hmm. fitness honestly not do when executed extremely well? And I think that we decide what is fitness by looking at an aggregate of what's happening in some of the best fitness facilities. And I make it my livelihood to go visit these places, to talk to the owners of these places, to talk to the coaches in these places. I think I've been to close to 200 gyms in the last five years, six years. And when I'm doing that, I'm asking these people, like, what? tell me about what's happening inside of your gym. Tell me about what's happening with your coaches. I talk to the coaches. How do you feel about helping somebody with this? A really good fitness culture will have members in the gym who are still modifying movements that they've been modifying for six months, a year, two years. And yeah. that's acceptable. And by the way, it's okay. Fitness is not meant to help somebody to be able to stop modifying things that are limited by reasons other than you're just not strong enough yet, right? Or you just don't have the skill yet because those are things that can be improved with fitness. When there is a joint limitation, a metabolic disease limitation, a uh, inflammatory disease limitation, a mindset limitation, those are things that traditional fitness in, I don't care if you're at gold or at CrossFit, it's not built to solve that. It is in the CrossFit level one, you know, universally scalable, which to me indicates we're putting a value on being able to scale this for anybody. Yep, totally. I'm with it. It's a good value. It makes it more inclusive. It makes it more approachable for anybody who wants to come. It makes the methodology more valuable. It is a wise decision to make it scalable for anybody. That executed really well is going to be what the pinnacle of fitness is able to do, right? Increase work capacity across time and modal domains. Greg Glass said it very, very, very well. It's a great way to measure how much fitness somebody has. Healthcare, healthcare is synonymous with medical care today. And the idea of healthcare is really to allow people to live autonomous ambulatory lives, which means you can wash your hair, you can drive your car, you can go to work, you can cook, you can wipe your own ass, and you can pull up your pants. Once you can do those things, the medical system says you're no longer a fit for us. So now I present to you the person who falls between. The person who medical will not solve for and fitness will not solve for.
What about the person who only gets low back pain when they're pulling weights off the ground in excess of 200 pounds? There is no doctor who's going to take that person as a patient and help them with their problem. And 99% of coaches don't know what to do there. What about the person who has been rowing for two years while everybody else is running and yet is almost fit enough to be at the CrossFit Games? Most coaches don't know what to do with that. And the medical system, what do you mean you want to compete at the CrossFit Games? This is not a medical problem. What about the person who is yet to join the gym because for their own reasons, they are intimidated by what goes on inside. They can go to the doctor all they want. That doctor's not getting them fit. And they can look at the gym all they want. They're not walking in. How do we communicate with that person on a level that allows them to want to join? That, those are three examples of bridging the gap for the client between what fitness can do and what healthcare can do. Now we talk about what it can do for the coach. The average fitness trainer, that is how it's classified on the Bureau of Labor Statistics for the United States, earns $19 an hour. One, nine. People might hear that and be like, oh, well, that's not so bad. Like, I mean, if they work 40 hours a week, they're going to make yeah. close to 800 bucks a week. Right. But that's because they, they fail to understand how on a coach is that time. It's, it's just like a teacher, you know, a yeah. teacher in a school. Oh, well, they only work 180 work days and they only work five out of the eight hours. It's like, well, that's pretty intense. And they prep yeah, they for those hours. Awesome. Yeah. So, and the difference though, is a teacher gets a salary and a trainer or a fitness trainer only gets paid when they work. And so, and by the way, for those of you out there who are teachers who are underpaid, I'm not saying that you have it great and trainers don't. This is not a race, okay? The average medical provider, whether we're talking about nurses, nurse practitioners, um, chiropractors, physical therapists, all of the, your medical providers lumped into one according to the same statistic bureau, Bureau of Labor Statistics, $100 an hour. So... I present to you a problem where we have a chicken and an egg. Nobody goes to medical school to be a doctor. People go to medical school because being a doctor seems like a really cool way to make a fulfilling and freeing income. That's why people go. If you graduated medical school with $200,000 of debt to enter a workforce in which you're paid $19 an hour as an average, Medical schools are out of business. And so, yeah, 100%. right? And so the question becomes, well, do we pay people more and then hope that they come up to that level? Or do we ask people to do more and then teach them to demand more? And my belief is fitness has been around for a long time. The healthcare system has been around for a long time. People think they know what to expect from both. So if we just start asking people to pay more for something that they don't understand yet, it's not going to happen. So we need to elevate the professionalism in the fitness space to bring it right to the edge of the medical space. We don't bring medical down to fitness. We bring fitness up to medical, create an entirely new industry. Those people demonstrate their value and command it in their price. And that's how we change the world.
And that's what, that's what I believe you're doing every single day. That, that, I mean, that's the mission and it's a huge part. It's almost every, I wish I could say I ever had a plan, but almost everything I've done has sort of happened reasonably organically. And I kept running into people who weren't being served very well by fitness programs. I don't know about you, but I, I'm nobody's first stop. Nope. I cost a bunch of money. I'm just one guy. It's it's not exactly, people wish they could just do it themselves or buy some $15 program or something like that. But they were continually not being served and continually finding setbacks. And a huge amount of these people are people who you at some point thought of themselves as fit. At some point they were great or they moved well or they weren't in pain or, you know, what is currently worrying them didn't worry them at all. And they don't see a way forward. They've tried the old way. They've tried what they've, uh, you know, various programs. Uh, they've tried physical therapy. They've tried body work. They tried different things and it isn't getting them to where they want to because it isn't designed to like, it's not a, necessarily a failure of any of those programs. They delivered exactly what they say they delivered, which is we just, I don't know when it's coming up. There's some other podcast I recorded uh, talking about, when people, you know, if you're trying to decide if something is of value, I might want to buy this thing. Is it of value? Well, what does it say it does? Like, it, is that actually your goal? Because if your goal is, well, I want to, I want to get back to CrossFit, but I wish my back didn't hurt anymore. And it's a CrossFit program. It's probably not going to do that. If it isn't explicit, then it's probably not what it's going to, that's probably not what it's going to do. No. And, and I think that too often people take that as a knock. Like you're saying that they're not as good as you because they don't do that. And not at all. It's, it's not, they're not supposed to do it. They're, you know, my car mechanic is probably terrible at shaving my dog, but I wouldn't expect it. That's, that's unreasonable. Well, right. I think, I think that the, the nuance there is that sure. your car mechanic isn't supposed to shave your dog. It's can your car mechanic make your car race ready? And, Fair. and, and the answer to that usually is no. The people who are going to make your car race ready are spending all of their time researching engine components that are meant for performance. They're spending all of their time finding braking systems that will brake for your car one-tenth of a second faster than the braking systems that exist for the standard market and cost five times as much money. So their client doesn't want those brakes. One-tenth of a second? Uh, no. I'm not paying five times as much money for brakes that don't I don't need. I'm not driving on the, you know, Le Mans. So, and then it's, you know, hey, if a racing mechanic is fixing your car, we need to put this on the back of it. We need to put this kit on the front of it to reduce your drag. All of these things, they're looking at aerodynamics. They're looking at speed from zero to 60, from 60 to zero, turning all of this stuff. Can the normal car mechanic do that? Yeah. To some degree, they could figure it out, but are they going to be world-class at it? No, they're not. Now, take the other guy, the guy who is getting your car race ready. Is that who you're going to go to when you need to fill your fluids? No. Is that who you're going to go to when you need a belt changed? No. Is that who you're going to go to when your car's making a weird noise or when that light won't go off? No. Are both people absolutely essential? Yes. So it's not that one is more noble than the other. It's that the people who choose to go down the path that you go down are inspired to solve the problems that are found on that path. And the people who choose to not go down the path that you go down are inspired to solve a group of problems that you are not inspired to solve. That's it. 
what if I want to talk to some athletes right now? And I know you're a big fan of, of uh, doing exactly what this podcast does. And I do like give away almost everything we know. Yeah. All, all, all the best stuff gets given away because it's not, none of it's magic. It's not, it's, it's not the ingredients. It's the chef. I like saying like, you can have all the ingredients. I'll, t- I'll tell you exactly how I do what I do because one, I'm not worried about competition. There's, you know, three, I'm 1.7 million people in the city I live in and I serve internationally. So ostensibly <laughs> a couple billion people, there's plenty of room. Most of them need help. Um, if someone is struggling, either they feel like they're not being served by fitness in some capacity, they're not welcome, or they don't feel safe in some version in a gym, or they don't understand the way forward. What is something that someone can do that is just to make this even harder does not involve hiring you or me? So what we're doing right now is we're talking about the person who feels as though they've been spit out by the fitness system. Great question. What you're speaking to here is the idea of what we do is not accessible or inclusive for everybody. There is a financial burden and there is a belief burden. You need to both believe it's going to work and have the money to take a chance on it. So what does somebody do if they decide they want to improve their fitness without spending the money on working with us, either of us? And I say their fitness, their health, their longevity, all of those things. Right before I hopped on with you, I got done talking to Rob Wolf on, on the Active Life podcast. And I oh, asked excellent. him, what's that? Excellent. I love Rob. Yeah. So I asked him, I wrote a book. I wrote a book called Term Pro, The Fitness Professional's Guide to Ethical Sales and Career Fulfillment. And I haven't sold as many copies as you did of the Paleo Solution that you released in 2010. What's the difference between your book and my book? And What he said was basically, I had the right timing. I had the right material. I had the fertile ground of an internet that wasn't being exhausted yet. And I was talking about something before all these diet fads really came out. And so people were interested in hearing it. It was right time, right place with the right information and the right preparation. The person who's listening to this show right now, who's wondering, what can I do, who doesn't want to work with somebody like you or somebody like me yet, is pay attention to the common threads. Because Rob wasn't the first person to tell me that. John Berardi told me that in his own way when he talked about starting precision nutrition. Brett Bartholomew told me that when he talked about writing conscious coaching and building his little empire. Rachel Balkovec talked to me about that when she talked about becoming the first female strength coach in professional sports. Mike Boyle talked to me about that when he talked about becoming the guy for the hockey people. Countless success stories have told me that they were in the right place at the right time with the right information and the right preparation. So what that says to me is I don't need to work with one of them necessarily for them to tell me, have the right preparation, have the right information, and make sure that you make sure that you're in the right place at the right time. I know what I need to do. Listen to shows like this one. Follow Justin on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. Follow Active Life on Instagram. Follow us on YouTube. Listen to do all of the things to consume all of the content. And then adapt it for what it is that you believe is best for you. You're not going to get. efficacy off of what we would do with you. 
in either case. But right now, maybe you're getting 20% by accident. If you start listening, paying attention, and starting to apply, you might end up getting 50% on purpose. And that's a 250% improvement from where you are today. That's where I would start. You know, an example that I can give you to that is I think we make the mistake in business, all, all people who have a conscience, of trying to make our stuff accessible to everybody. Yeah. I feel, yeah. I feel bad. I do feel bad that there are a lot of coaches and a lot of gym owners who will never work with us because we are a significant investment for them that they don't necessarily feel like they have to spend right now. And so they disqualify us as a potential suitor to help them before they even start. I do feel bad about that. I do feel bad that we only are able to work with the top 20% coach and gym owner in the world and that we don't necessarily have the services available for the bottom 80%. Of course, I'd like to help all of them. It's my belief, however, that by helping the top 20%, we help the most influential people. And those influential people go back to their communities and influence. And so as a proxy, the people who they influence are actually getting the help from us right now through people like you, through people like Wiley, through great gym owners who we work with across the world and coaches we work with from across the world. And I think that right now that's the best that we can do. And so to the people out there who feel like they don't have access to services like you or to me, I would tell you, um, you might not have direct access. That does not mean that you're lacking access. Yeah. And if you pay attention, you can glean a lot. It is worth going. It is worth going through my back catalog. It is worth going through your back catalog. It is worth like, there's a lot there. You can mm -hmm. pick and choose like the, the posts and the podcasts and these things. Cause there's, there's deliberately an enormous amount laid out so that people can do a lot of this themselves because in my, with the wildest success I could ever imagine, I won't be able to get to you all. I right. just won't. And it never happen. And I would actually suggest that they don't pick and choose. I would suggest that somebody look at, at a single or two beacons and just trust them and go all in, all in so that you can make decisions six months, a year later, based on the data that you either anecdotally or intentionally write down and experience about whether the choices that you're making are the best choices for yourself. That like go all in on somebody, trust them to be your guide from a distance. We've had people sign up for us who were like, I haven't learned anything new in the first three months. This is all stuff that I already got from your podcast, your readings, your writings, all that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's there for you. But they come yep. in and they're like, now they execute because there's someone they're holding them accountable. And actually doing the thing that they heard about. I've had the same thing where people are like, oh, but I've, I've heard this part before. And like, yeah, we're really consistent. We're really consistent on purpose because this is what we believe in and we know that this works and we're going to keep ringing the bell over and over and over again. And I think just to be clear, if anyone's listening, if you are a coach, you can go back to that question about what is an athlete who's struggling or feeling unsuccessful and either can't or won't reach out to us right now. I think the same answer works for coaches. Like you can absolutely listen to this. There's information to be found that you can execute on right away. Mm -hmm. You can Look, already start improving yourself. From my perspective, one of the things that our team at Active Life has told me is you need to start talking to the individual more often. 
You're talking a lot to the coach and a lot to the gym owner and, and that's working great. We need you to talk to the individual more often. So if you're, if you're a coach looking for content, Justin is providing awesome stuff. I'm following it. And you can get a lot from just listening to what he's doing. Stop, stop listening to what he's saying and start listening to what he's doing and start doing it because that's how you get the results Justin's getting. And if you want a second voice, we haven't recorded a podcast in two years that's aimed at anybody except you. Yeah. What is someone being successful with their fitness? What does that look like? The ability maybe to what say does that yes. Like no, no. It's, it's a sentence. It's the ability to say yes whenever they want to. That's it. Like that, that is, what is fitness? The ability to say yes. How do you measure fitness? You know, work capacity across broad time and modal domains. What is fitness? What is health? It's the ability to say yes, which means, hey, want to go on a six mile hike up a mountain today? I don't want to, but I could. That's the ability. Hey, want to go for a swim in the cold ocean today? I don't want to, but I could. Want to run a marathon? I don't want to, but I could. Could you wanna... watch the grandkids this weekend? Yeah. Want to do some sparring? Yeah. Want to play softball this weekend? You know what? Yeah. My shoulder won't fall off doing that. Yeah. You know, the ability to say yes. Because somebody who is healthy can say yes to regular benign things. Somebody who is fit can say yes to the surplus things. So the ability to say yes is how I judge health and fitness. What can you say yes to? Yeah, because that's freedom. That's it. I look at it the same way financially. Like what is financial freedom? Well, can I say yes without checking the bank account? And people are like, well, you know, there's always something you have to check the bank account for. Not really. Jeff Bezos doesn't have to check the bank account. He can do it. Right? Now, there are different levels of financial freedom. There are different levels of fitness freedom. Where are you at? That's how I look at it. Where do you see active life 10 years from now? A completely different stratosphere. Um, I think right now people look at active life as something that spawned off from uh, pre-existing fitness industries. They they look at active life and they think about how it can make a gold's gym better. They look at active life and they say, how could it make a CrossFit gym better? They look at active life and they say, how can they make a personal trainer better, a coach better, an individual be able to exercise without aches and pains or start living an active lifestyle for the first time ever better. That's what they look at. I think in the future, in 10 years, active life is both a noun and a verb. It's, it's not only something that made those other industries better. It's something that created an entirely new industry out of the ashes that are those other industries. And just like in 1967, there were no physician assistants now called physician associates. And now there are 250,000 of them in the United States alone. I think that you're going to see the same kind of thing happen at Active Life. Our, our intention right now, our North Star is we want to service 1 million one-on-one -on -one clients a year. 
we don't want to service more than 300 with our staff, which means we want over a million people a year experiencing working with people like you. And we'll be able to measure our success off of your success. Put ourselves on the same side of the table as the people who we educate, the people who we serve, the people who, who we educate serve. Is everybody getting what they paid for out of this industry? Is everybody getting more than what they paid for? Is everybody getting more than what they thought was possible? In 10 years, the answers to that will be yes, across the board. You will be making the decision as to whether or not you want to participate in accepting health insurance from your clients. That won't take 10 years, but that's what's happening in 10 years. You'll have the ability to say, yes, I want to do this. No, I don't want to do this. Just like doctors. People will stop mistaking what you do for the same thing as what another trainer does because nobody mistakes a doctor and a coach. Nobody. And there are good things and bad things to say about both of them. That's not to make one better than the other. Everybody knows the difference. 10 years from now, everybody knows the difference and they have for years. That's a really exciting prospect. And just as a, as a, as someone who, who lives with a doctor and someone who came to active life for what you're describing, like I initially came to the active life education as this would be a cool way to learn more about musculoskeletal health and tendon injuries and issues. And like, this is another like aspect of a tool set that would be really useful to me as a coach mm -hmm. and whatever it is, two years later, I'm. I now struggle with what to define myself as because yeah, mm -hmm. I am a personal trainer. I have people who are very fit people who I get strong and that kind of stuff, but it's, it's an entirely different tool set. It's this whole other thing that has been added on that doesn't look anything what like most of the people who use my title are actually doing. And that's not, again, like I'm not swiping down at anybody. There's people who do, who are far better strength trainers than I am, mm -hmm. but it's just a completely different set of problems. And I think, uh, slightly more high level problems that I'm after. Well, the, the way I look at it is, um, I'm trying to think of how I can say this in a, in a way that reflects my intention. Today, you can't say I'm an active life professional candidate and have anyone be like, oh, cool. Like, well, what does that mean? So I would recommend that today, when people ask you, what do you do? You tell them what you do. You don't tell them what you think they would understand that you are. So, for example, when I would get on a flight to go out and do anything anywhere and the person next to me doesn't know me, oh, what do you do for work? I would never tell them I'm a chiropractor at the time. Because once you tell them I'm a chiropractor, they're like, oh, I get it, like cracking necks and stuff like that. So I'd be like, I'm a chiropractor, but not like what you're used to. That's how I describe it. Yeah. So I stopped doing that. What do you do for a living? Oh, really interestingly, I have a lab and people come in with all different sorts of ailments. And then it's my job to figure out what the appropriate solution and dose of that solution they need to solve their ailment. And they're like, what is that? I've never heard of something like that before. Yeah. So I'm happy to tell you about how we do it. And then in the end, they're like, where'd you learn to do that? I say, well, it's a combination, chiropractic school, personal experimentation, personal training life, all these different areas, great mentors. Very cool. And nobody associates you as the chiropractor anymore. So 
until we've done our job of making Active Life a household name, my recommendation to you is when people ask you, what do you do? Tell them. Given unlimited resources, hey, Dr. Sean, good news. I found all the time and I found all the money. Mm -hmm. What do you do? What do you mean? What does who do? You. Oh, me? Mm -hmm. I just speed this thing up. I, I what start, does that look I, like? What it looks like is creating incentive structures for hospitals to understand what the triage of care looks like after they're done with a patient while simultaneously going to school systems and teaching them how to put a physical culture into place so that kids aren't eating processed foods and then sitting in chairs all day long. Um, it's changing the way that we educate people from the beginning so that they're different people when it's time to choose how they want to live the second half of their life or the second, you know, not in years, but out of studenthood into lifehood. It's, yeah. it's changing who those people are who are graduating. And then it's creating a system that is inspiring for them to show up to. So I'm actually doing this. Like I, I look at what you just asked all the time, all the money. What would you do? I do that math every day. Every day I ask myself that question. And then, and I know that you don't know that it's not, you didn't tee it up for me. But then what I start to do is I back my way into what of that can I do for free today? And so, for example, I want to make hospital systems more inspiring. And I want to have different people showing up when they get there, right? As a doctor or as a patient. So what am I doing? Well, I've made friends with the most influential doctors at the most influential hospitals in the area where I am. And when they have a patient who they don't believe the hospital can serve anymore, what do you think they do with them? They refer them to active life. And then we either set them up with one of our coaches or with a coach who is in their area who we've educated. Step one, micro step one on that step, complete. Now, how do we have different people showing up into that system? I have a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old kid. The six-year-old and the four-year-old are now in public school. The two-year-old will be there in a year and a half. I joined the health and wellness committee in the district. And more importantly, I'm spearheading the physical fitness and nutrition subcommittee within the health and wellness committee. It's cool that even exists. Yes, it is cool. Uh, instead of just complaining that we give our kids processed foods and don't have phys ed for them, I'm doing something about it. And so in doing something about it, it's looking at, well, if they had all of the money and all of the time and all of the resources and all the education, what would they do? Okay, well, they don't, and they haven't thought that way before. So how can I start helping them think that way? Okay, let's find things that we all agree on. I'm not going to ask you to get rid of muffins, ask kids to go vegan, or make the carnivore diet the way that the school does what they do, because those are religions, right? And I'm not a religious teacher. No zealots, thank no. you. No. So what I did is I said, is there something we can all agree on? Can we all agree that... There are ingredients in the foods that we're giving our kids today, like, for example, rapeseed oil, um, sunflower oil, high fructose corn syrup, corn syrup, corn starch. Like, are these ingredients that we all agree shouldn't be in our kids' foods? Yes. So can we make the one initiative? 
let's just make one goal as it pertains to the food for the whole year. <clears throat> let's choose 10 ingredients that we want to make not acceptable for our kids to eat at all from school-sponsored nutrition programs. And by the end of the year, let's have supplied the school with the necessary resources and direction to replace any foods that they have with those things in them with other foods and hold them accountable to doing it. Now, is that giving kids a farm-to-table, organically you know, crafted, regenerative farm diet? No. Is it light years better than what they were doing last year? Yes. Yeah. And then can we all agree on the physical fitness and mental health side that none of us want to sit in a chair and be told what to do all day long? And so it's likely our kids also don't want to sit in a chair and be told what to do all day long. Can we ensure the kids have phys ed where they're being taught physical culture at least three days a week for one hour? And that we offer our kids at least 45 minutes every day of just free time. Free, like just go create on your own. Can we all agree those things would be valuable? Yeah, great. Next time we meet, let's come up with all of the reasons why those things are really difficult or even impossible to do. And then let's figure out how to make those reasons untrue. So that if I had all the money and the resources in the world, I would just speed up both of those processes. I love that. I think that idea is inspiring and is, is very familiar to anyone who listens to this on a regular basis. We love talking about small steps and, and the idea that slow progress is still progress. Mm -hmm. Like you're probably not going to go from A to Z in the speed that you want. And it's not one step, but moving forward is always moving, moving forward and is worth it to figure out what that looks like, because it also allows you to take the next step and the next step and the next step. And it's all built on just like any, I mean, a million times, you know, you don't get strong from one workout. You're not going to solve this problem in one day or with one initiative or one piece of legislation, or even if someone dropped a billion dollars on the problem today, it won't be fixed by tomorrow. It takes lots of small steps executed with consistency toward this ostensibly common goal to improve everything. Well, it's the Warren Buffett method. When people ask Warren Buffett, why doesn't everybody invest their money the way that you do? He said, nobody wants to get rich that slow. Everybody wants Warren Buffett's money, but nobody wants to get rich that slow. So here's an example for you. If I said to you, to your audience, I will give you $3 million today or one penny. And every day for the next 30 days, that one penny will double in value. Sure. Most people take $3 million. Of course they do. One penny and in 30 days, it's doubled every day for 30 days. $3 million all day long. That's an easy choice. The penny ends up being worth like $5 million by the end of the month. But $3 million, I'll take the $3 million today. You need, sometimes you need to wait and you need to wait aggressively. Do things every day that make your waiting time less or that make your waiting time the same but the outcome of the waiting greater. By pouring into your waiting time everything you can possibly do to shrink that time or to increase that outcome. 
But don't expect the time to shrink on its own. Yeah, the results are not just going to magically show up. And there is likely an enormous amount of juice that you can squeeze from the orange that's sitting right in front of you. Mm-hmm. You don't need a different thing. You don't, And we say this all the time. Like, you probably don't need a different program. You might not need a different coach. You might, It might be there if you ask the right questions and listen to the right people and find ways that this adapts to you. And I think it goes for athletes, coaches, business owners, all of it. Well, Justin, person A buys a lotto ticket every day. Person B makes minimum wage. Who's likely to have more money in 20 years? Yeah. The minimum wage earner. Which also, by the way, not exciting. That sucks. I'm not recommending you make minimum wage for 20 years. But it's way less exciting to have spent whatever a lotto ticket costs every day for your life and have nothing to show for it because you wanted the fast path. I don't even know what a lotto ticket costs. I wouldn't even want to win. No, that sounds... It sounds nightmarish. <laughs> and they all go broke and commit suicide. So, no, oh, thank you. I, th- I think there was one who survived. <laughs> uh, well, Dr. Sean, I really appreciate your time. And I want to be respectful of it. Thank you so much again for coming on the Feel Strong podcast. Where should people go? Send people everywhere you want them and all the things that they should look into. So, I would love for this to be a lesson for people uh, in itself. Go to at Dr. Sean Pestuch on Instagram. And all of the other things that we produce at Active Life can be found there. The reason I want that to be a lesson is make it simple. If I gave you seven different places to go, the YouTube channel, the Facebook groups, the the three Instagram accounts, you'd be like, this is too much. Just go to at Dr. Sean Pestuch on Instagram and you'll find everything you need. There it is. Easy and straightforward. Mm Mm-hmm. Dr. Sean, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Justin. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your subscriptions. Your written reviews make a big difference. Thank you for those. Please keep them coming. Drop five stars while you're there. If you find these podcasts helpful, share them with friends. Send it on. We love it when the stuff gets shared outside of our bubble, outside of you folks. Any feedback, hit us up on Instagram at feelstrongfit on Instagram. DMs are open there for all of your questions and feedback. More questions about the program or you're ready to get started, feelstrong.me is the website feelstrong.me. If you're ready to make a change, if you're ready to feel better than you have in a long time, get in touch. My name is Justin McClintock. Feel strong.